Hi, I'm Bjorn Roberts. I'm Jess Fishlock. This is Owen Singer-Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Holy Delivery Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I have been joined, thankfully, have been released from her BBC contract duties to be allowed to link up with the uh, with the Coleman Had a Dream podcast today. The now globally famous Ruth Williams. Hello, Ruth. How are you? <laughs> Thank you for the introduction. No, I had, I had, I was nervous, but I had I had fun uh, going on the BBC for the for the fin- BBC Radio Wales for the Finland game. You sounded you sounded very knowledgeable. Not that not that I'm surprised by uh, the fact that you sounded knowledgeable, but uh, you did sound it was uh, it was very interesting. Uh, out, I very much enjoyed your back and forth with Mark Bowen as well. I thought it was uh, very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, it was only afterwards. It was like I just did that, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I just argued with him. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I enjoyed it uh, very much, and I'm and I'm grateful that you uh, have you know cele- stepped off your celebrity cloud. I was half expecting you to have gone in the jungle in the uh, in the castle, sorry, um, <laughs> such as your newfound global outreach truth. Um, so I'm I'm grateful that you joined us today. Um, we are going to be talking about the USA friendly. We're going to be talking about the Nations League's ga- Nations League games against the Republic of Ireland, and of course Finland. Um, Wales have qualified uh, to go to League A. Ultimately, barring something miraculous, we are in the playoffs for the World Cup as well, which is a fantastic achievement. Before we kind of talk about the the USA game, Ruth, just a quick thought on on what we've achieved there, really. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to the League A games. I think it'll be a great opportunity to actually pit ourselves against uh, some of... Europe's, you know, top half a dozen teams. Uh, I think that what I like about probably, hopefully, as you say, very unlikely that we haven't secured a World Cup playoff place, is that it just gives us a little bit of freedom in the in the qualifying group, doesn't it? I'm not quite sure how the seeding works uh, for those for those playoff games. So you know, it might it might be in our interest still to. Uh, get a playoff place, say through being second place in our in our qualifier, might be a better way of doing it than relying on on this slot. Um, but I like the fact that it. I think I think the fact that you can go into some of these games a little bit more on the front foot. Um, you know, looking for some wins and perhaps not playing quite playing the table quite as much might might up end, end up helping us. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that further down the line, actually. But whilst we're whilst we're talking about that, I really think that might be it. Might kind of alter our perspective a little bit, because obviously, depending on the group, you often, you know, let's say we get a Germany or a Netherlands or or you know, woe betide in England, you kind of go into those games, kind of sitting back, hoping to get a point and seeing what you can get. And Finland them, themselves showed that if you show a little bit of ambition on the break and um, are willing to kind of commit players forward that there are obviously rewards for you uh, against some of these bigger sides so I do wonder if it, maybe not in every game but certainly in those bigger games uh, against the the top seeded uh, nations whether we might kind of be able to have a bit more of a go at them on the basis that we've we've you know again barring a miracle oh you know already 
come second in the group, it, it, you know, relatively speaking, if, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting one. And I'm looking forward to, obviously, those games, uh, I think, against the big teams are going to be great fun. Um, I think it'll be a great learning opportunity for us and we can really kind of measure ourselves and see how far we have developed, I guess. So I am really looking forward to that. And obviously, as I say, the, the fact that we've got the back door uh, open for the World Cup is is, is never going to be a bad thing. So uh, So no complaints there. Um, to look at the USA game, um, we're not going to spend loads of time on this for a collection of reasons. One, it was a friendly, obviously, but but also it was um, uh, far from a classic, I think is the uh, the politest <laughs> I can put it. Um, just as a starter, Ruth, were you, what were your thoughts on the on the starting lineup? Because the formation, the 4-2-3-1, is, has been our kind of go-to of late. But obviously only when more plays, so more did play, that that kind of implied correctly that he wasn't going to gonna start the next game. Um, so what did you think of the way we did set up for this? Well, I think that was the surprise. I was expecting, as as, as we covered in the, in the pre-pod, to uh, perhaps play this more like the Bulgaria game um, and use it as a way to solidify that formation. And in, in effect, we actually did that in reverse, didn't we? We, we, we uh, used the the USA game to sort of return to more up front. Um, I do think it's starting to hint at that being our plan B or at least our um, bring him on at the end of the game plan, which is I'm sure we'll cover more as we get to the other two games. Um, I think it was interesting that Lockyer and Connor Roberts were in that, that team, um, because that obviously said something about intentions later on. Yeah. Um, I think Lockyer in particular has been a bit a, a bit hard done by. Um, initially, I was worried that they'd put Wilson in that bracket as well. And then, of course, it, it was pointed out that he was suspended for, yeah. the, um, for the first of the competitive games. So it made sense him being there. So I think the biggest, I think the biggest surprise for me was, one, we very much did apply a kind of B team approach to it. Um, the fact that there was, you know, everybody except Ward then changed for the, for the Ireland game was interesting. I think it's a a game where we finally had approached it as a B team game, but I think it was interesting what, what that then said about a few of the players that were on the field. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think at the time I was surprised that Moore started because I I thought that he was obviously going to end up playing all three games but well I guess he did but in different circumstances so I, I, I was surprised by that ultimately I think one of the things that we have learnt from this window is that Kiefer Moore up top the four two three one, is looking like that's actually like you said our plan B and having our plan A as being a bit more progressive and a bit more fluid and, a, and, a, and slightly different, especially in an attacking sense, I think is, is really interesting. And I definitely kind of perceive that as good news. I also think as well, it kind of answers the question regarding Christian Doidge and to an extent evokes, and if you want to go down the road, your Bradshaws and your Hedges as well. I, I think the long-term plan perhaps may not actually be to use a striker. I think that's why he hasn't called Deutsch up because he knows that that is not the way he's going to try and approach the Euros. Um, so, we, we, you know, I think we're in the situation where we may only end up taking two actual strikers to the Euros because we're not we're not planning to play with one other than as an impact player. So I, I did think that was interesting and 
in my opinion anyway, kind of answered the, the Christian Doidge question a little bit too. No, I agree. I think, again, I'm sure we'll cover it more as we get onto the Island of Finland games, but I think there was definite sort of statements made about priorities across these three games, which are, which are quite interesting. And I agree with you. I think we're probably looking at just more and, um, and how as the options going to the Euros, aren't we? Yeah, I agree. Um, one one question I did want to ask um, about Rabi Matondo. I, I've I've suggested on a couple of occasions that I'm not exactly sure that he's ready for the seniors yet. And we've had a, a tweet in from Wrexham Carl, so thanks for that, Wrexham Carl, who must be having a, a lovely couple of days. Um, but um, I'm sure we'll come to that at some point. But anyway, um, he's asking: Do we? It was this a, an example, perhaps, that we? think a little bit too much of the of the under 21 players that we have and they maybe need to go take a step back to continue their development and I use Rabi as an example because as much as I like him and as fast as he is and as much talent and potential as there you know seems to be there I just don't I don't think he's ready to play international football I don't think he's mature enough in a footballing sense and I think that could apply to a couple of others as well and I again I think I've said it and I think you have too about Levitt being another one as well um so I mean do you think first of all that those two uh, are in over their heads to to an extent I think to an extent yes I mean I think Rabi probably looked the most comfortable he's looked in recent games, in this USA game, because of the the level of the play that was going on, it kind of, you know, fitted where he's at. I think he's a classic example of um, someone who's really is getting more international play now than uh, club game play. And it's, it's, it's just a weird, it's a weird kind of emphasis for him. Um, We've talked quite a lot, haven't we, about how he, he looks like a player that just needs to, to learn from being in the situations and, you know, and, and there was a couple of great times where he beat men relatively easily and and then just made the next wrong choice. And it's, it's, um, you you know, your chances are are few and far between in international play to to have that happening. Um, But I think a few months ago, we might've said the same about Tyler Roberts and you can see how a few games in, uh, in the Leeds team, I think he's played half a dozen of the, you know, some some form of half a dozen of yeah. their games so far this season. You can see the difference it's making. So uh, I'm hoping for for Rabi, it's just a matter of getting some some solid game time. I mean, yeah, I think there's a there's definitely a player in there. I think whether mm-hmm. we can utilise it, I think is is uh, is a different is a different matter. And um, we're talking about this uh, this game. I mean. I have to ask the question, uh, you know, aside from the COVID situation, what else is going on in the world? Was it kind of really a relevant game? Because I had a bit of back and forth with a few people on Twitter who were like, you know, they had players who were playing for Barcelona, uh, Leipzig, Dortmund in this starting team. And we had people who were playing for Doncaster and Charlton in ours. Um, does it, you know, is there anything to be gleaned from this? Because my my issue was that, regardless of the opposition I felt like we were way too um, placid I think I think we, we sat too deep we didn't try and affect the game and as a consequence there was a, a big gap between the, the the attacking players and the midfield players um, and that kind of rang an alarm bell with me um, 
am I kind of being a bit overly critical? Do you think, or is it, uh, you know, uh, or was there, a, you know, a genuine reason to be concerned having watched that match? I think what concerned me was if we've got a squad that knows how it's playing, and there are two people vying for every place, which which Gigs and Page have said um, on a number of occasions then you'd hope that even when it's the B version of that team, so even if it's when it's the player that's sitting in second place for each of the positions, that they could come together and look like a team who know what they're doing. And I think that although we were a team of championship and division one level players, our advantage should have been that we they were a group that were familiar with each other right. and their style of play should have been familiar to each other. And I think that's where my concerns lie in that we looked like a group of players that had been thrown together and weren't particularly international, um, leveraging the fact that they had much more international experience than the US team, young as some of them are. Um, and I think that's where the alarm bells were for me. Yeah, I think so too. I think, you know, it's all well and good that some of these players play for Barcelona or whoever. But, they've, you know, that doesn't actually say anything about how good they are or what they're capable of to, you know, to a degree. If, you, if you're still a young player playing for Dortmund, you're still a young player, aren't you? It, you're, not, you're far from the finished article. And, you know, they had people playing, making their debut. And yes, they had, you know, Weston McKinney who plays for Juventus. But we, we I, like you said, I don't think that, where they play uh, changes how you approach the game. I think if we were to have pressed them and lost 2-0, I at least could have come away from that saying, well, at least we went after them a bit and we tried to impose our style of play on the game. Whereas in actual fact, I felt like we almost played for a draw when there was no benefit to playing for a draw. It, it was mm-hmm. it, it was a kind of a weird one for me. But, but there you go. I, I think, you know, we've got to look to take the positives perhaps and, and just say there's players there who got international experience. There's one or two who maybe twisted the arm of the manager. James Lawrence being one of them, for example, like he played in this game and then started the third game over Tom Lockyer, which again, I'm sure we'll come to later, but was an interesting decision. And maybe that was a, a, a based on how well um, he performed in the USA game. Um, I think there are other players um, who we have learned something about. For example, thankfully... Uh, sorry to say, but Levitt, for example, does look like he's very much part of that B-team situation at the moment. I think that's for the best. So, you know, there were there were other positives. You know, Brennan Johnson came on and, and, and made his debut and had a very, had probably arguably our best chance of the game. Oops, I've just dropped my phone. Uh, oh, God, what's happened here? Oh, God. Oh, no. What have I done? What is this? What is happening? <laughs> I think Joy has used my Spotify. So yeah, because I'm halfway through a Kylie Minogue song called <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure if I might cut that out or leave that in. I quite like to have a little, have a, have a little groove in the background. Uh, As a funny story, if you're interested, um, I have, uh, like, my my wife and I share my Spotify account. And uh, obviously, being a music teacher, I play a lot of music to the kids in school using my Spotify account. But because she started to use it and realized that you can listen to podcasts on it, she listens to a podcast called Shagged, Marry, Annoyed. 
Um, so the first time I'm trying to speak to my year 11s about, I don't know, whatever it was, Beethoven or whatever, I'm pulling my Spotify <laughs> on this massive TV screen in my classroom with shagged, married, annoyed, uh, <laughs> slapped across the middle of it, which, uh, which raised a few, which raised a few eyebrows. Um, but, uh, anyway, I, I digress, uh, from that. I can't even remember what I was asking you about now, but, um, oh yeah, um, uh, Brennan Johnson having our best chance of the match. Uh, I thought it was, uh, it was a positive uh, that, that he got some game time and that uh, you know he did look he did look a threat because you've got to say that the the Americans did have the better chances they definitely could and should have scored at least once um, so you know the the result to an extent I think was was neither here nor there at the end was it? No, I agree. I mean, I think the concern was the. I mean, I think we had maybe four or five chances total in the game. I mean, that that wider question about make, making chances, I think, was was illustrated uh, very starkly in this game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm looking at the stats now. You know, they we we had more shots on target than them, believe it or not. But we had only had four shots overall, and they had seven. So, um, you know, they definitely should have done better with some of the chances they had, and I think that those statistics uh, demonstrate that. Um, Obviously, to all intents and purposes. Yeah, I think. Sorry, I think the main. The main. Sorry, Dave. I think the main plus point might actually have been the fact that Ward got a full ninety minutes, and as you you made the point in the pre-pod of um, trying to get him some game time, and I think you know that it, it may have served a purpose purely for that reason. And again, you know, Ward is someone we're going to talk about further down the line, but I, I do think he played well in all three games. I got to say, and 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 that was obviously as we look to the to the island game that was the only change we didn't make was the goalkeeper which i i guess was obviously always going to happen so um as we do move forward on to the to the island game we obviously changed the formation going into that game the the 523 sort of formation with wing backs um were you kind of surprised by that and also you know lineup wise player wise were you was there any kind of names or anything that jumped out at you about the about the lineup and the players who were playing in particular? And I think the fact that Connor Roberts had been in the prior game did kind of hint at um, obviously using Nico Williams in this game, and then that again hints at five at the back and wing backs, doesn't it? So, uh, but. Fundamentally, I think I was surprised we we went into this in that formation as opposed to having uh, having more up front. Um, the once you've made that decision and and who's available, I think the 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 team probably sort of finds itself in this in this particular formation, doesn't it? Wilson was suspended for that game, so you haven't got that decision between him and Brooks or, or James potentially. Um, I think Meppham and Rodden are looking like our kind of key centre-backs, whether that ends up being as a pair or part of a three, that's a, a different debate. Ampadu and Morel seem to be the holding pair when you haven't got Joe Allen to consider. So I think I think the actual kind of 11, once you've decided that you're playing with the five at the back, with who was available and wasn't in that particular game, I think the 11 kind of find themselves... Yeah, I would agree with you. And and I think it was an interesting one in that I thought the way we played the game, 
in terms of the 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 lineup was probably how I would have wanted to have approached it. I was just surprised that it was the five at the back rather than the than four. Um, I, I felt like the logic was, you know, they sort of have this you know three up front notionally anyway. So I guess that was the idea was to kind of have the three up front, the three centre backs kind of covering them and there's always a spare person then be it one of the wing backs or one of the the central players who can push into midfield and kind of drive us up the field and so again in in principle I kind of like the logic um I I'm not entirely sure how well it worked and and I and I can't decide if that was because of we weren't used to it or we weren't well drilled enough or what I'm not sure whether the Irish were just quite stubborn um, as we know they are as they know as we know they're capable of being I thought they were very hard working as a consequence of that I thought we struggled to to keep and use the ball um, in, in intelligent ways at times but I think ultimately I do like the setup um, and I think it suits a lot of the players we have Um but I do, uh, you know, obviously it is going to, we are kind of still getting used to playing that, I suppose. Um, I guess one of the big exciting things or interesting things is that looking ahead, we have Alan and Ramsey to come back into that team. And and I wonder if we will we, we will keep the same formation when those two come back. And, and if we do, I mean, obviously Morel will probably lose his place for Alan, but I'm intrigued to know how you think Ramsey would fit into that side. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because obviously that particular start in 11 didn't have Wilson. And I think Wilson looked a better, more natural kind of false nine-ish type of player in the in the Finland game. Um, so I, I, I do think we've got some difficult decisions. I think actually fundamentally might be, do we want to play four or five at the back? Because of the knock-on that that extra person then creates at the front um and you know it might be horses for courses it might be a three at the back approach as you were saying you know if we're, if we're going up against a notional front three and a, and a two at the back on other occasions um i do think that team is is kind of small and fast <laughs> in a very sort of generic way um but actually, we didn't particularly use that against the Irish. I mean, there were there were lots of occasions when Norrington Reese Davis was going down the left, and you kind of sit back and watching on the telly, and you think, "Oh, he's passing backwards again." And then when you actually got a better impression of the whole field and who was where, you realise, well, well, that's the only thing he had on. There wasn't actually anything going forward. Um, so I I do think we need to work out how more more sort of clinically how we want to play if we're going into that formation um i mean it's you know it's not lost on me that we we didn't score until we had more on you know we it's you know there's some it's interesting how many i think that i think we've only probably scored a couple of goals without him on the on the field since he's since he started playing regularly so you know it is it is a bit of a dilemma um, but obviously, as we showed in the in the Finland game, we can make it work. Um, but I, I still think it feels a bit untested. Um, you know, as well as we looked against Finland, we were playing against 10 men after all. So the whole kind of scenario is a little, it, it's, it's obviously still up in the air. But I think actually the ultimate decision might be how do we want to play it back? 
because of the impact that has at the numbers you can have at the front. I agree. I wonder if we're trying to have, like we've often talked about what is our plan B, and I wonder if we're actually trying to build or create two or maybe even three plan A's and we use them in different ways depending on who the opposition are. And I think that, like you said, if they have a three at the front, we have a three at the back, and we kind of match them up and use the use the the wing backs to exploit any space that's left in behind. I think the the four two three one we would probably play that against a one man up front type team, um, or some or a team that have a, a target man type player, and use the two centre backs on the one. Um, I ultimately wonder if we might be longer term switching to see if we can use like a 433 because I think that would utilize a lot of our good players in their best and most natural ways. For example, if we had the two holders in Ampadu and Allen, then Ramsey could be a natural number 8, which I think is his best sort of role where he's joining up between midfield and an attack. Um, I think that naturally would utilise our wide play as well. And if we were going to persist with a false nine, we have two, maybe three players who can play that role uh, effectively once they kind of get used to it. And I think we still then have the flexibility of having wing-backs if we need to and change into a five at the back if we need to, or utilising Ben Davis and Nico Williams or, or Connor Roberts, depending on which way you want to go, who are both, all three of them are kind of attacking full-backs. So I wonder if that might be a third option in, in terms of how we're looking to, to build our setup moving forward, using that false nine, because, you know, whilst Moore has obviously had a positive impact, I, I don't think... And I think we would all agree that we don't really play sparkling football as a consequence at times. We, we can be a bit more direct and, and rely on him possibly and his attributes. So it, it is an interesting one. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think that might be a little bit of how we use Ramsey and Allen uh, going forward. Um, I, I mean, ultimately, when we're looking at this game, there's a few talking points, not loads. But the most important thing is that we won it and I I know that sounds you know it's a ridiculous thing to say I suppose really but I, I think we've got to the point with this Nations League where we were just having to grind it out we were missing players we've you know we've done well to to get into the position we had we knew we just had to win these two games and we'd be promoted and everything else so I think ultimately you know we're looking back at this game do we think that really the fact that we won is the only real thing that matters here your formational changes and setups and tactics and all this other stuff whilst it's important it's only really it's only really relevant moving forward you know in the here and now i guess the three points were sort of all that mattered in the end oh yeah i mean i think we've got to be sensible about that and and in some respects the the formation questions may be a little redundant whilst ramsey and allen are still um, out of out of the squad, and how perhaps to an extent as well, though obviously not as not as uh, to the extent of those first two. Um, I, I agree with you. I think ultimately the the sort of four two one three formation might you know might be where we're head. Means you can you know perhaps play Wilson in that false nine, and know you've got a quick easy change if you want to bring more on. I think Hal might suit that particular role as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, you know, you've got perhaps potentially three weapons up front. Know that you can mix and match between James and Brooks and Bale, either side of that. Have Ramsey holding and then and then have a lovely choice between Morel, Ampadu and Allen in 
the holding three. I mean, I think we know which which two we'd go for first. But if one of them's if one of them's carrying a yellow or has a suspension, Morel will be in there, and he doesn't deserve to lose his place at all. He's played really well. Um, you know, get a, a strong central pair in Rodden and Mepham, get that solidified, and and know that you've got two kind of sort of fullback, sort of wingbacks when you need them in Davies and probably Nico ahead of Roberts for that role. But I think I think Connor Roberts is having a good season. I think it would be a difficult decision if you were playing four at the back. And suddenly you've got a really add Hennessy and you've got a really nice strong eleven, hopefully playing to strengths. I agree. I think that's the big thing is we've got to remember here is I think the flexibility that I think we're going for is so that we can play to our strengths and, and adapt to things within games. And I think, you know, again, I think this is a perfect example of how we did that. When Moore came on, he really did change the game. I think, you know, you were talking about the the fullbacks in Norrington Davis. They're kind of bombing on and, you know, Gabbard, Danny Gabadon made a great point on the edge for um, podcast, which it seems like a redundant thing to say, but I was going to mention it myself, was that he and uh, Nico were both kind of bombing on, but they'd get into an attacking position and the fluidity of the front three hadn't really gelled. And I think they were kind of running down blind alleys. And when they got forward, the whole point, as I understand it, is you, you, your front players kind of run wide and then run deep. And, you know, the movement is what creates the space for those around them. And then you've got to utilise that. And I felt like we weren't quick enough in utilising it. And when you look at it, you might think that Norrington Davis, for example, you know, was slowing the play down. And I did feel that Ampadu did that a couple of times as well. But I think a lot of it was that the players ahead of them weren't using the system as well as they could. So I guess we are still learning it. And I think it did work very, very well uh, in the Finland game, as, as we we're about to talk about. But in in that Ireland game, obviously, like I said, Moore really did make the impact because everyone could get around him. He could hold the ball up well. We had a bit more of a focal point. We were, we were able to get up the field a little bit more and everything was played in their half more than kind of just a, a bit of a scrappy midfield battle, which is what it was turning into. Um, and it just goes to show the impact he can have off the bench, really. And, and I think he really did change the game when he came on and in a, in a roundabout way, he sort of got a, a semi-assist for the goal, I suppose. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it is technically not an assist, but I think his involvement pulling preoccupying defenders is important in the space that both Bale and Brooks ended up having I mean, in, took, in that goal. He took two of them with him, didn't he, when the ball came yes. across? There were two went yeah. with him and that enabled Bale to meet his man at the back post. And by the time Brooks had kind of made the space, there was no one anywhere near him and he, he had a tap in. And again, that was obviously because of what Moore was doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, to look forward then, um, just to the final knockings of the game, there was a, a shout for Nico Williams and handball. Um I wonder if in the current climate of VAR and, you know, anyone looks at their hand, the ref gives a penalty. I, I, I wonder if we've maybe got away with one a little bit there. I think in the VAR world we did. Yeah, I think that would have been given by VAR. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, his hand is, is kind of up by his side um, and it's not in a natural position. It has hit him. Um uh, whether it's intent or I, I don't even bloody know what the rules are anymore, but um, I, I do think he, I do think we have got away with one to an extent there. But with that said, obviously, you know we were looking a real threat on the break. Brooks has missed a great chance. Obviously, Roberts has been scythed down by 
uh, by Newcastle's Jeff <laughs> Jeff Hendrick um, uh, when he you know would have been one on one and had a great opportunity to kind of see the game out. So I wonder if it kind of didn't matter a little bit um, in in the context of the game. Um, overall, though, as we said, the the win is was is and was the most important thing there. Absolutely, um, and I think the fact that we. It's another game, you know, where we stuck at it. We uh, we kept going. Uh, we didn't really capitalise on on the fact that they're a rather rudderless team at the minute. I think that's a concern. Yeah. Uh, but it was another example of us getting there in the end, which we've you know we've we've done all autumn really. I mean, you mentioned that in your in your blog actually. If Ruth has got a a blog that you can find on the Welsh Football Fans page. Um, about them being a rudderless side and we didn't take advantage but as you as you rightly point out in your blog we have got two you know arguably three of our best players not in that team at the minute you know Bale is certainly not at his best and Ramsey and Allen obviously are nowhere to be seen at the moment unfortunately through injury so you know yes they are rudderless but if you look at it in the context of of what we you know what we've achieved without those three players playing together I mean, I haven't done the stats, if I'm honest, but I, I don't think they've played together once in this Nations League campaign. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, you know, to have achieved what we have achieved without those players, it kind of gives a bit of context to, to the way we played as well. No, I think you're right. When when Ramsey was in, Bell was out, and obviously Alan's been out for the for the whole of the autumn series of games. I, I do think that's something we need to take strength from across a busy a busy period of internationals, wonky player out completely others sort of seeing game time and not others in it on and off with injury you know brooks coming back from really serious injury for example and we've and we've got through this series of heavy uh heavy schedule really exceptionally well and i think there's the strength to be taken in that definitely 100 percent, and i think a lot of players kind of stepped up as well and, and performed and, and filled the shoes if you like of those kind of star players um, I thought Joe Rodden was absolutely outstanding just phenomenal leadership at the back commanding what was going on in front of him I thought as always Joe Morell was he was like a little terrier wasn't he he just kind of didn't stop he kicked everything that moved quite literally in Jeff Hendricks case and again maybe <laughs> maybe a touch on the lucky side not to see red himself but anyway well that that was actually that was really fortunate yeah it was we'll let that one go we'll pretend <laughs> if we can't have VAR we can't have VAR what can you do um yeah so you know there was that and as well and something else um that I was really impressed with just in the game on the whole and I and I made this point after the match is that was a game that not only would we have lost a couple of years ago, we did lose that game a couple of years ago. Same team, home game, important match. Uh, we did lose it and we, we kind of didn't this time. I felt like we really dug in and we showed, uh, I don't want to say aggressive because I think that makes us sound like lumpers and I don't think we are, but there was definitely that kind of spark in our side that everyone stood up and was counted and there was none of the silly stuff kind of got on top of anyone, but no one got away with anything either. We were kind of, yeah, maybe aggressive is the, is the right word. I th- and I thought that, you know, Rodden kind of marshaled the team exceptionally well in, in that in that sense as well. He kind of didn't let anything go very physical and, and very strong and played exceptionally well in, in what was very tough circumstance. Yes, no, I, I, I think comparing it to two years ago is, is really interesting because on paper you'd have said we probably had a better team on the field uh 
what would it have been in 18? Uh, whereas now I think there's just a bit more grit and a bit more teeth somehow, despite the inexperience and the youth. And I, and I like that. I think well, there's, a, there's a bit more sort of collective muscle. Um, and, and, you know, maybe aggression is is the right word. I think it makes us like it makes it sound like we're, you know, playing in an FA Cup third round against the big guys. That's not quite what I'm trying to picture. Um, but I, I do think there's a a kind of mature, a strange maturity given the use of the team. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And I think, again, like, you know, blowing Rod and Strumpet here, I'm not sure that's a good thing to say. But anyway, um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I took a cup of swig of tea at the wrong moment then. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Sorry, Mum, if you're listening. Um, yeah, to congratulate Rod and further, um, I, I thought he kind of he kind of typified everything you said there. The youthfulness kind of coming out and 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 really, as you say, giving everyone else something to 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 follow. And yeah, I just thought he was fantastic. And I think you know the the way he defends is so clever. I think his decision making is excellent. Um, he's good in the air. I think he really knows when he can drive forward as well. We saw that a few times when he had the ball at his feet. If there was any gaps in front of him, he would drive forward and try and get the team moving. And everything about the way he plays is 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 really really encouraging for the future. He's, you know, I know he got the armband um, as 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 the games wore on, but he really is going to be the captain of the future. And, and you can see that in him already. He's still a young guy and. You know, he's really someone we can we can hang our hat on. I think in the future, I think he's he's got a lot going for him. Um, I do want to just say one more thing on the Island game before we go. I thought it was the first time, and I've been critical of him, but I thought it was the first time that Tyler Roberts, as I've seen, has come on and kind of made a genuine impact on the game. I thought he looked bright. You know, his first few touches weren't great, but after that, I thought he looked bright. His movement was very good. He would have had a great chance of scoring if obviously Jeff Hendricks, Jeff Hendrick, sorry, hadn't. You know tried to try to rip his legs from him so I, I thought that I thought he played really well and I and I felt like I should comment on that because I'm often critical of him and I thought he had a, a genuinely positive impact when he came on I think the last six months he's he's really grown physically hasn't he but he's also grown as a presence when he's when he's on the on the pitch and um, I was looking at some numbers so he's he's played at least 20 minutes in six out of eight of Leeds's Premier Premier League games this season, so I think it's an example of him growing into his role there, and then us benefiting from that. Yeah, um, so yeah, he he's really come on fair play. And he's you know there's a lot of attacking players there, so I do wonder how much time he is going to get at Leeds, which will ultimately you know probably make the decision on whether he goes to the euros or not but uh, yeah i did want to mention that he was uh, he was good i mean ultimately i think as we said the win was the most important there and as as we went on to the finland game i think everyone knowing the position we were in that win set us up so well um that a, a draw would have been fine i mean in terms of the the playoff place obviously and the, the promotion a loss is is was no good for anyone but it would have needed a remarkable turn of events for us to have drawn that game and not been top of the pile so um uh, so yeah I, i'm glad that i'm glad that that set us up so well for the finland game um again i i thought given the the selection in the island game i i was then less surprised by the selection uh in terms of players that was picked for the for the finland game then 
Yeah, my con- my concern with that and, and why I was I'm not surprised by the five at the back, but concerned by the five at the back was that despite everything we've said about the, the positivity of some aspects of the Ireland game, um, we've scored very few goals without more on the field. The only goals we've scored without more on the field are Johnny's away goal in Bulgaria, yeah. and Moore was suspended for that game anyway, and Wilson's opener against Finland. Otherwise, Moore's been on the field for every other goal we've scored since he started in that Belarus game. That is a that is a top statistic. So, I think what, where I was concerned about the five of the back was the impact that it meant we didn't have more on the field. And so it felt like, well, we're not looking for goals then, are we? And I don't want us to go into this game looking for a draw. We've got to go into this game looking for a win. And so that was my thinking and why it felt like we might be being a bit conservative in a game where I didn't want to see that. Ultimately, of course, the red card changed everything and it's very difficult to actually judge the intention versus the reality because of the red card. Um, and we we clearly looked more of a threat in this game, even before more came on in the second half. So, you know, my, my concern was probably somewhat unfounded in this game, but that's where my thinking started. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I, I, my, my logic towards it was that they often play with a, with a five slash three at the back. So I, I saw it more of us kind of trying to match up against them. Um, you know they didn't set up the, the similarly necessary f- through the rest of the field, but I, that was my take on it. Um, mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about the more thing until you kind of uh, until you pointed that out, but um, that was true. But I, I, I was glad that I that the team we set out looked a threat. It looked fast. It yeah. looked like it would be difficult to deal with, um, and I felt like again perhaps you know just maybe just a bit of a throwback to the Coleman days. The plan is sort of you know let's start in a bit more of a defensive way. Let's see what we can get. And if we can get after them and it works, then we can sit, stay as we are and we don't need to do anything. And if we need to do something, there is an easy tactical switch there which doesn't involve too many people having to do too many different jobs. It is just mm-hmm. a, a quicker and easier change of shape, which I thought, again, kind of does suit us and the players we have. The, the one interesting lineup change for me, uh, decision, sorry, for me was the fact that James Lawrence started over Tom Lockyer. And I've got to be honest, if I was Tom Lockyer, I'd be a little bit pissed off because he performed so well at the back end of the, the Euros qualifying campaign. Obviously, started uh, the, the last game, last two games, I think, in fact. Um, and it seems out of nothing, James Lawrence wasn't in the squad a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of windows ago. And now mm-hmm. he starts ahead of Lockyer. Um, does this mean, do we think that Lockyer is our fourth choice centre-half, but be, uh, uh, yeah, behind behind these now, or, or why do you think that was? My honest answer is I don't know. I think part of the thinking, <clears throat> excuse me, part of the thinking was with Ben Davies being suspended was to have a more naturally left-footed player in that in that three. So I can I can see that as a tick for Lawrence in this particular game with this this particular need. Um, he probably is better coming out of the back than Lockyer is. Right. But then Mepham and Rodden are very good at that. So 
I'm not sure you were hunting for that particular um, uh, facet of a, of a player when you've got that Mepham Rodden capable of it. So um, I just wonder whether the fact that he's left-footed without Ben Davies meant he was a perhaps more obvious slot in in this particular scenario. But I agree with you. I, I, I would have him behind Lockyer under normal circumstances. I mean, a lot of people have been talking about Lockyer being ahead of, of Mepham uh, in the pecking mm-hmm. order altogether. So, uh, you know, that in, in itself, I guess, makes it more interesting. I just... The only thing that I'm willing to be critical of, because I am not going to be critical of the circumstance, the promotion, or the way we played, because I thought we played excellent, and again, we'll come back to that, but I am still concerned, moving forward, that there isn't a... I don't know... A safe selection policy and by safe I mean if everyone is fit I know who our back three or four or five or whatever is going to be and and I don't like that and I heard someone say that it, you know it might be a a thing that he does on purpose because other teams who are scouting him have no chance of actually working out who's going to play and, you know, whilst that would be a, a slightly odd plan, you know, maybe there's merit in that. But I, I, am, I am concerned about the lack of consistency in, in our team selection. And if we are trying to build a new formations and stuff going to the Euros, well, then, you know, we should have been experimenting throughout this whole Nations League process, not in the last two games or three games, uh, including the friendly. Um, so there, there is that still alarm bell for me that, Giggs's decision making seems a bit ad hoc at times and I really do think that's something we really need to nail down not just for the Euros but also obviously let's not forget that the qualifying campaign for the World Cup starts in March and we haven't got any other games between now and then so are we you know I'd imagine the players themselves as well don't like that. Am I going to be picked? Like Lawrence has gone from not being in the squad and now he's starting one of the most important games that we'll play for a long time yet. So do you know what I mean? It's a, it is a bit kind of ad hoc, I, f- I feel. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't disagree with that. I think it's where the key questions remain, really, don't they? I mean, the, the, the rest of it seems nuanced. You know, Wilson versus Brooks kind of, that feels like a nuance of how we play, whereas the structure at the back feels so much the bedrock of how we play. And I, I feel, I still don't feel like we've nailed it down. And I mean, I can I can see the argument for being a bit unpredictable, but ultimately, I think that that costs you as a team where you don't have the solidity of of knowing what you're doing. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I, you know, I feel I, I don't want us to become a broken record, but I, I, so I don't want to dwell, but I, I do think that is something we need to kind of make a clear decision on moving forward, um, because I do think that is that could come back to kind of haunt us a little bit. Um, the looking at the game in itself, I thought we started so so well. I thought we really pressed high up the pitch and made Finland make a lot of mistakes. I remember early doors, their goalkeeper getting pressed and whipping the ball like almost 90 degrees left out of play for a throw-in that didn't go much further out than the edge of the penalty box. A lot of the passes when we did get the ball were short and sharp and quick and the, the movement was fantastic, I thought. And, you know, you're right, you talk about the red card early on there, kind of 
having having the impact and, and changing the face of the game. But I, I do think that came from us. I think we kind of, mm-hmm. if you like, earned the red card. I think the way we pressed, I think we scared them. I mean, you look at the fact that the guy, I, I can't pronounce his name, who got sent off, uh, who who pulled down uh, Wilson. He's He's come from... He's out of position after a corner. He's from. He's supposed to be playing on the left-hand side and he's had to come across and he's making a cover there. People are out of position. They're in positions they shouldn't be. They're doing things they shouldn't normally be doing. Like the, when Wilson has eventually brought that ball down, I think it's bounced twice before he's actually kind of got it at relatively under control. And again, I think they were scared to go near us because they knew we were faster than them. And I think that red card was actually a... a, a a result of us playing well as much as it was of a bad decision from them. Oh, I would agree. And it wasn't the first time that they looked confused in our shape at the back. It was just the most obviously dramatic one. I mean, we we played very well in the, the opening minutes before the red card. It wasn't as though that the, uh, the game was even in that opening kind of 10 to 15 minutes and then the red card changed it fundamentally. I think we were definitely the better team from the start. Um, and, and I think that came from the fact that we were pressing higher, we were pushing, we were on the up the front foot. They clearly were a little disorganised at the back. They'd made some changes. Um, but we... I think it's one of our dilemmas. You know, are we a team that's going to do better on the break or are we a team that's going to do better for pushing high up the field and pressurising the opposition? Um and I think Finland was clearly a team that um, play a little like us, you know, have, have recently historically played well by seeing games through and then taking their one or two chances. And, you know, later in the game, you can, you can see that more in their DNA. Um, and I think they were prepared to do that. And so the onus was on us, and for and for once we kind of grabbed that and took it. Whereas I think on some other occasions we've we've kind of gone like, yeah, you what? That doesn't suit us, but actually it does, you know. And we and we should do that more often. I agree, and uh, you know the only worry there from that was that we didn't wouldn't uh, capitalise on on the <laughs> the extra stuff that we had, the the extra man, the extra space. Um, obviously, we did that very well through Wilson just before. He scored. I, I felt that Bale missed. I got. I, I called it a sitter, and I got a bit of grief saying it was a bit harsh to call that sitter. Do you think that was a sitter? I don't think I'd call it a sitter. No, but I think he should have done better than he did. Oh my, to be honest, he's you know he's one of the best players in the world. I I'd have been annoyed if I missed that, and I'm crap at football. <laughs> so I, I I maintain that was an easy. Was he five yards out? Four yards out? I don't know. I'm 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 having him on that one. I think if I if I if I think I've got half a chance of scoring, he should definitely be put in the back of it. Um, yes, but thank you to I think it was you and Rowlands who picked me up on that one. So uh, thank you for that. But um, obviously, the goal came. Wilson, great finish, great interplay with Bale. Um, is is Wilson perhaps our most natural false nine if we are going to play that way? I think of what we've seen so far, he probably is. I think it. He suits it better than Brooks. Yeah. I think he looked looked more suited to it than Brooks did in the. Well, it wasn't wasn't quite as um, clear cut in the Irish game, but I think Wilson shows shows it's more. He's he's more adaptable to it. Um, I think 
Yeah, to answer your question, yes, I do think he's he's probably of the options we've got at the minute. Although I I would like to see Hal in that role just out of as, uh, out of interest. It's interesting to see how yeah. it goes. I would be I'd quite like to see Bale in that role uh, as well. I think the thing with Brooks is he naturally wants to go wide, and I don't think he likes coming deep so much to play that role. Whereas I think Wilson, <laughs> having been a central midfielder does stay centrally and is more comfortable coming into that role. I feel like it might get the best out of Bale because I do think at times he kind of floated in and out and his movement was excellent. I'm not criticising his performance at all. I thought Bale had one of his better games for us for a while, actually. Um, and that was, you could see the drop-off when he left the pitch. But um, I thought his his movement and everything, I think, and his touch, and he's a, he's a strong guy, I think it would, would maybe suit that false nine role a little bit more. And that does get James and or Wilson or Brooks out on the on the pitch as well. So, But again, I suppose if they're all kind of rotating, it doesn't matter who who is in that false nine role at any given moment, I suppose. It's, it's more about the, the fluidity and the movement. Um we changed to four at the back at half time, um, and I was going to ask you a question about this because, in hindsight, obviously, it it did make us a little bit edgy, and I thought at the time that was the decision I would have made as well. Um, at down to ten men, um, they're just looking for a goal on the break, but I wondered if it, it kind of obviously worked straight out for us in that James scored that fantastic goal, but I do wonder if that was a slightly naive and mildly unnecessary move. I feel like if you'd have seen a a France or a, or, or a Germany or an England or someone like that, they probably just would have stuck to the way they were playing and got the extra goal if they'd have needed it. And would I felt like we kind of chased the game when we were 1-0 up, which was a bit of an odd decision, I felt. Sort of agree. Um, I think if it if it the change had been made immediately after James had scored, then it that might kind of negate the concerns you were just you were just saying. Um, I would go back to what I was saying earlier that that more seems to have been our kind of catalyst for goals. So I can I can see the plus to wanting to to get him on. There didn't really seem to be evidence that you needed the three at the back, given how the Finns were playing and especially with them down to 10 men. So I, I understand the temptation to change. Um, I actually think it was taking Bale off might have had more of an impact than making this particular change. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see that logic. I, I mean, the reason I say what I, I do there is I just, as I say, like a, a mild lack of maturity in a, in, a, in a game management sense. Like we were... Not just in the in the you know from the tactical change, but we were pushing very high up the pitch. We know that Finland like to play on the break and 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 hit teams on the break, and that's what they did. Um, so I you know I just question that it made us go uh, chasing goals and be more attacking when when we actually didn't need to be in the circumstance. And I feel like I'm asking for one thing in the Ireland game, and now I'm getting it in the <laughs> in the Finland game. And I'm, I'm just to be clear, I'm I'm not talking that it was a bad decision because I I was calling for it at, at half time as well. I just mean more in the in the kind of the way it kind of changed the shape of of what we were trying to do. And as I say, pushing up very high and just a little bit of footballing immaturity. Um, I, su- I suppose there, you know, maybe I'm just I want all my uh, what's the expression I want my cake and eating it as well. Is that is mm-hmm. that what I'm supposed to be saying? Um, anyway, to 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 move on, I, I think obviously James's goal was fantastic. Limited back lift right in the top corner, just a, a fantastic, fantastic finish. Um, and the game kind of seemed like it was petering out, you know, with us there. And as you say, when Bale came off, I don't know whether that that we uh, lacked 
the movement or they felt they didn't need to be so kind of focused in on one player and they kind of could take the shackles off a little bit more perhaps um but uh, his his coming off definitely did alter the game um obviously they did get their goal i thought rodden was uh, caught under the ball a bit there we i thought we were way too high up the pitch um but i'm not going to i'm not going to point fingers at rodden given how well he played over the two games but uh, and to be fair to pookie it was a, a cracking finish yeah and the, i think the feed to him was excellent as well uh, so i mean in honesty four very good goals across across the game um but yes, I mean, Pookie's finish was sharp there, definitely. We did just look a little, um, I think complacent is too strong a word, but we just looked a little passive yeah, like in that last kind of 20 minutes or so. Well, sorry, the 20 minutes or period or so where Finland were a little a little bit more in the game. Um, and, and hopefully there's some lessons learned there. And I think the fact that we came back and got the, the third goal show, you know, does show some... Um, some nouns. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, the goal again itself, great ball from, from James. Kiefer Moore just must be such a nightmare to play against. If you just take his size out of it, he just seems to have such uh, strength and, and control in what he's doing a lot of the time. And just a nightmare to play against, like I say. But a lovely cross, lovely header. For me, Dan James was the man of the match. Can't disagree. Although I thought Morel had an excellent game. I thought Wilson had an excellent game. Um, even Reese Norrington Davis had a markedly better game than than he did against the Irish. But I I would agree with you. I think overall, Dan James just a little. It's concerning me that he's kind of um, like if Bale's woes are almost a contagion. You know that cl- the club kind of unhappiness yeah. versus the international happiness. It feels almost like that's that mantle has kind of moved to, yeah. to Dan James now, sadly. Yeah, I agree. But do you know, if he keeps turning up and he's not happy at his club, but he keeps performing like that for us, then uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy, I've got to be honest. I'll, I'll take that all day. Um, I agree with your comments about Morel. I thought he was excellent. I thought he really drove us on well, kept trying to be positive and move the ball forward. And him and Ampadu's pressing, I thought, were were really kind of instrumental in, in the way we played the rest of the game. I thought it was excellent. And and to be fair, I think it's worth point, pointing out that I thought Danny Ward had a great game. And I wonder if this has moved him up the pecking order a little bit now, given the circumstances. Because i got to be honest, I was a little bit surprised that Owen Vaughan didn't come in because he is the only Welsh goalkeeper who's actually playing regularly at the moment. And so I wondered if he might get the nod. But obviously, Danny Ward, I, I do think played well and his distribution not just for the for the goal that led to the sending off sorry for Wilson but yeah I thought his distribution in general was actually very good as well I would agree um I think I think ultimately this this is a big unknown because it, I think a lot will depend on how people come back from their respective injuries and whether Danny Ward gets any real game time uh between now in March and things. So, um, I mean, I still think on paper it's probably Hennessy's position, um, but there's a there's a huge number of unknowns of how he's going to come back from from his injury, how Adam Jones is going to come back, and you know. So I think in that regard, it was probably was worth giving Ward a run at these games just to try and help him get some get some game time really 
yeah, I, I would agree with you. I th- you know, it was it's a difficult one, I suppose. Um, ultimately, just before we look at some bigger picture stuff, I, I, I do think that was the best we have played in a long, long time. And, you know, when I was talking in, after the USA game about how I expected us to be a bit more front foot, what we saw in the Finland game was exactly the sort of thing that I want us to play and I think we're capable of playing and I think if we're going to look ahead and try and take on some of these better teams I think we have to be a bit more uh, uh, front foot and energetic off the ball and I think if we're going to continue to play in this way I think that bodes really really well for us Yeah I mean I think we we've shown our best when we haven't been passive and yes, we can go into a game as the underdog, but that doesn't mean that you just let the opposition come on to you. We play better for for harrying and pushing up and pressing and having some energy and using the fact that we've got youth and speed. Um, and so, so I think that's the kind of the framework we want to we want to head into. Absolutely. I mean, we're talking there about obviously that what we want to do moving forward. Another seamless link there. Um, my my big question is: Does it actually matter how well we've played, given we've qualified uh, for the Euros, we've got promoted to League A, we've more than likely got a playoff for the World Cup, or is it still fundamentally something that we need to focus on? I think the complication is that. You, you really can't see these games just in the isolation of being games within the Nations League. They have to be viewed as games that are setting us up for the World Cup qualifiers and the, and the Euros. And so whilst, whilst I, I agree with you, I don't think it matters how we played, we got the results for these games. But because these games are all but your warm-ups for what's coming next have they put us in the best place possible for the world cup qualifiers and the euros and i think that's the question yeah and i still can't answer that question i think is the worst <laughs> but i think i've come to the conclusion i i listened to uh, the football ramble podcast and they talked about in the context of england how these games didn't really matter to them and the losses or the wins or the whatevers and the performances and the players who've played it's all kind of collateral damage in the sense that they stayed in league a they dominated their world cup qualifying group uh, their euros qualifying group and fundamentally that's you know none of that matters because you've done the things you needed to achieve it only matters if you then get to the euros uh, and and there's and nothing happens nothing changes nothing is learnt from that and i think in a way the the similar logic kind of ex, uh, extends to us as well because i don't want to use the expression collateral damage because this has been far from damaging we've obviously done very very well but i think the style of play is almost irrelevant because whilst our sole goal isn't just to get to tournaments we want to do something when we get there if the thing that we do at the moment is boring football but we win 1-0 then I, I, I don't care. Like, if if someone told me you were going to play the most boring football you've ever seen in your life, but Wales are going to win the Euros, then I would be absolutely deliriously happy. I couldn't care less how we played. So I, I did kind of try and view it in that sense. You've got to look at the positives, and that if 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 this is the negative that we're not playing well, does it ultimately matter if we're winning? Then in international football you'd have to say probably not. You have to be a bit more pragmatic. I think given how few games you get, how 
rarely they come around compared to, to club games. So I did I did kind of like that um, the logic. My only concern is is that if we're going to move on, we do have to be a little bit better, not just in you know the style of play, but because the style of play leads to something else. I think if we're just going to try and get you know we've got promoted now if we're just going to try and approach these games as damage limitation exercises we're going to get turned over more often than we're not we're not going to progress there is going to be a hit on confidence because we're playing these fantastically good massive nations so i I do think that is the one kind of alarm bell ringing in the back of my head i guess is that you know we need to we need to continue to progress. I think whilst it's great that we're qualifying for tournaments, and you know that's obviously our stated aim and has been for a long, long time. Once we've started to do this a bit more often, then then does need to be a, a more you know ambition to look at further ahead again. Um, and I and I do. That's what the, that is the one thing that worries me about the style we play a little bit is whether I'm not quite sure yet if we are in fact looking ahead at how we play or we're just. Maybe not sitting on our laurels because again I'm being too negative that when it doesn't deserve it. But ultimately, the, the, the style of play is sort of irrelevant if we keep churning out the wins. Yeah, I think w- where the questions about the style of play comes in is: Do we think we could churn out these wins against better teams than we've been playing thus far? And I think that's the dilemma. I think there's enough questions about the style of play to make us question whether this is sufficient to get the wins in the next against the next tier of teams, whether that's in World Cup qualifiers or the Euros or the next round of the Nations League. Um, and of course, the honest answer is we don't know. <laughs> but um, I, I do think that it's not so much about style of play in the sense of, do we want to play like Brazil? No, it's more about do we have a style that we know is adaptable and robust enough that it can be applied to these next tier of teams? Yeah, I totally And I don't agree. think we're there yet. Yeah, I totally agree. I think if we're looking at these next Nations League games, you know, I'm not I'm not saying this like I expect us to go and win the Nations League. I'm saying that like our next step, if we're being honest, like let's not get relegated to League B again. Let's have a good time on some away trips, hopefully. And let's not get relegated because we're playing some mighty, mighty nations. So I'm not I, I don't expect us to go into this and kind of go around battering teams or whatever, because that's ridiculous. But I, I do think that if we want to keep progressing, then we need to stay at that level and play those teams more often and get used to it. Because I like I, I feel like I I think about what we want to be, like we've talked before about us wanting to be a bit like Denmark and a bit like Switzerland, perhaps, who are often in that top group TRA pot one uh, bracket and they keep improving because they keep playing these teams more regularly it's not that they've got better players than us or whatever necessarily I don't think it's just more that they're at that level at a more regular basis every game they play they have to be on their on their game and I think that helps improve them and I think if we want a similar effect to your to your Danes and your Swiss and, and, and you know a couple of others as well then you have to make sure that when you get there you can compete and I think that that is ultimately how we will com- continue to improve is not get relegated from the league a and stay there and play these teams for another another set of fixtures and then that's how we continue to develop as a nation so to be clear I'm not you know I'm not saying I expect us to go up and start dishing out spankings to to Brazil uh, to Brazil I'd be I'd be surprised if Brazil were there if uh, to Spain <laughs> to your Spains or your Germans or whatever but um 
yeah, that, that I just wanted to, you know, that's the kind of context that I'm looking at. Um, sorry, I'm just glancing over to my next question very subtly. Um, um, a big one for me, obviously, is the page situation. Um, obviously, we don't want to get drawn into the gigs conversation, though I do think it's worth pointing out that um, the investigations meant that he was rebailed until... Um, late February, I think I read. I think it was the 21st of February. So this is definitely set to rumble on. Um, I wonder if, for example, Page might be the representative for Wales at the at the draw for the World Cup qualifiers in on the 7th of December, for for, for an example. Um, but I, I wonder what you thought about his reputation here and whether he's enhanced his reputation uh, in, in these few games and this window in general. In fairness, I think he certainly upped his stock. Um, I thought he came across very well, very impressed with the, his discussions with the media, in fairness. Um, I suspect there was still a lot of heavy gigs involvement in in what was going on, particularly in, in the training arrangements, perhaps not so much literally nuanced within the game. Um, but, yeah, I, I actually thought Paige came came out of this very well and um i think if there is uncertainty to the level that you were just mentioning i mean we're looking at this certainly being a long situation to resolve um then he i think he has to start taking some of those you know front and center type roles a little bit more i mean there was there was a reason gigs wasn't involved in these games for, was more about sort of the public face aspect of it, wasn't it? And 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 so for that reason, I don't think he should be going to uh, the draw in December, for example. I mean, I suspect most of that is going to be done virtually anyway. But somebody has to somebody has to be your face of um, there for comments and uh, interviews and that sort of thing. And I, you know, I, th- I think we're at a point where. Uh, any kind of public interaction is gonna is gonna open the door to him being put in quite a difficult position legally, really, if people start quizzing him, aren't they? So um, I think we're, we're, we'd be better off just, yep, this is this is our pattern for the next few months. You know, this is our front man for the next few months, and accept that um, Giggs's involvement is going to be behind the scenes. Yeah, I think that's sensible, and and I think probably the way that the FAW have to proceed, uh, depending on how this kind of rumbles on. Um, I think I agree with everything you've said there. I, I really like the way, especially he praised the players and he praised the system and he praised the process. He, people were desperate for him to have praise, and he passed it on to everyone else other than himself, which I which I which I liked and was an interesting way of kind of dealing with the situation. Um, and I think ultimately we did play well. I think we progressed through the three games to the way where our best performance was definitely the Finland one. I think he must have to take credit for that. Um, the last quick big question I have uh, before I have to go and have me tea. Um, Megan Faringa has uh, asked us, which player progressed or improved the most from their First Nations League appearance to their last and who progressed the least or looked like they stalled? Um I'm happy to take one each here in the pro in the in the interests <laughs> of uh, not getting a row for for being late for tea. But um, I um, I I would love to just mention Joe Morrell one more time because 
I think when he first got picked, and admittedly it was during the Euros rather than the Nations League, but I thought he was someone I was just like, oh God, what that was not, I, I'm not sure about this at all. But I think he has come in and it comes to something when he will lose his place in the team to Joe Allen and you kind of feel a bit sorry for him. I think he's just progressed and progressed and has just been such a fantastically important player for us. Um, have you got your thoughts on anyone who you think may have stalled? Ooh, stalled. That's a difficult one, actually. Um, I don't think stalled's fair because I actually think Connor Roberts has played well, but I think I do think it's an interesting dynamic between his play and Nico Williams's play and what that might mean for us um, going forward in the sense of uh, how we want to approach that that right wing back uh, position. So I, I don't think it's fair to say he's stalled because I actually think he's played very well, but I think he's perhaps the one whose position is most under threat. Yeah, I think that's a fair call, actually. Um, okay, ladies and gents, it is time for us to wrap up and I go and have my tea. Um, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back with more... Um, uh, around the women's game which is coming up on the 1st of December I would urge you to watch that and support the team um, obviously a lot revolves around the Northern Ireland Belarus game which I think is on the 27th uh, of November so we'll be we'll be doing a pod around that so please keep an eye out for that thank you very much for listening ladies and gents thank you for, for joining us Ruth and, uh, and we will speak to you all soon goodbye goodbye